Genesis 21, and we'll be in verse 22 through 34. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and, two, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham set uh, seven ewe lambs of the flock apart, and Abimelech said to Abraham, What's the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore that place was called Beersheba, because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned there many days in the land of the Philistines. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. But just as every single Sunday we have seen, uh, it is going to take your power, it's going to take your Holy Spirit to make any sort of sense uh, in, our own, in our own minds and in our own lives. Um, so would you show up? Would you be here on behalf of, of us to show us the, the different ways that, that we are, that we do fall short, but then show us Jesus? Would you be with us and would you help us? And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. There was a man who was very successful in his job. So much so, he was famous across the globe. However, on one odd day, as he was driving through an old country town, this man was speeding, going way too fast, and he ended up wrecking his car along with a few different buildings in that small town. His punishment? Well, this was a backcountry town, so they couldn't just jail the guy. They didn't have one of those. So they decided that if he would fix the town where all this stuff happened, then they would let him leave. In the meantime, he had to stay at the local motel that was super cheesy and shaped like something you'd see on the side of the road. This man hated every minute of it. He had to work all day, and he had a huge work thing that he had to get to that he was running out of time with. So he wanted nothing more than just to race out of there. But he had to do the time since he did the crime. He hated all of it until one day, an insider to the town, one who knew everything about the town, good and bad, started to make friends with the guy and tell him all about the history of the town and who the people were. The successful man, he was still a little impatient, but what completely won him over about this town was, and the people in the town was one night after working. The insider to the town took the successful man out to do some really crazy stunts. They nearly get caught and killed for what they did, but after they have made their getaway, they're back in town. The man of the town looks over to the successful outsider and says this. I knew. I knowed I made a good choice. In what? My best friend. <laughs> did you catch it along the, the story? Lightning McQueen, that's who the guy was. 
But uh, I play that, and I tell you that story because uh, what faith is going to mean in Genesis 21 is that faith means making friends. Specifically speaking, from our passage, uh, faith means making friends with those outside the faith. Because if what God says in Genesis 12 is true, that he will make Abraham's name and nation mighty and great so that he and his lineage will be a blessing to all the families of the earth, and we are a part of that family by faith, then that means the families of the earth will be blessed by none other than you and I as part of God's family. So that means that those outside of the covenantal family, those outside of the family, those outside of belief in Jesus Christ as their Savior, those are certainly part of, of that it encompasses that all, all of the families of the earth. So God will bless them through us. God will bring people from outside of the faith under the blessing of Genesis 12, to faith by those in the family, you and I, making friends. From Genesis 21, we're going to see that making friends by faith has two distinct components. The first is extending grace, and the second is making a covenant. The first is extending grace, and the second is making a covenant. So let's just take a look at the first one. Look at verse 22. At that time... And we'll just pause there. At what time? Uh, although this comes right after verse 21, like in the writing, um, some time has passed by. So it means sometime in that season. Uh, essentially, after nearly 30 years from the very first moment that God steps into Abraham's life and tells him to leave his homeland where he lived for 75 years, that he's going to give him an offspring. That offspring has finally come. It just came last week. God showed up in verse 1 of, 21, of chapter 21 to give Abraham and Sarah the offspring he promised, and they have a huge feast around his uh, third birthday to celebrate the boy and what God has done through it. And sometime in that season means that the three-year-old is either still three or maybe 13. So it's a huge season. It could be like a 10-year thing, um, but it's sometime in those 10 years. So at that time, Abimelech and Phicol, who are these guys? Uh, we've seen Abimelech before in Genesis 20. He was the polytheistic unbeliever who God showed up to in a dream to say, hey, if you don't turn from your sins, death is waiting. Uh, and so he, he actually does turn from his sins, and he does it really well, uh, way better than Abraham, because Abraham actually just didn't even do it. Uh, but in leaving that exchange with everybody, Abimelech says to Abraham and his family, says, yeah, you guys dwell wherever you would like in my land, the land of Gerar. Please do that. But he comes back to Abraham now after some time to talk some defense tactics. Um, Abimelech and Phicol, which is the commander of his army, said to Abraham. So they uh, very abruptly just start talking to him. There was no, like, he didn't have to make a meeting. He didn't have to call out to him. He just, they just start talking. Uh, and so I, I think from what this is showing, in order to extend grace to those around us, we have to first be around them. It's so easy to hole up in our house with our privacy fences and blinds and, and just binge Netflix, um, but we cannot extend any grace to, it, to those people we are not around. Abraham was close enough and open enough to talk to. So if God is to bring in people from all tongues, tribes, and nations, we should really consider ourselves missionaries. What would a missionary do in Afghanistan? They would go to live with the people. They would make friends with the people. And over a lot of time and stress and effort and life happening, they would maybe get to tell them about Jesus. 
That's what our call here is too in Forney and Kaufman County and where we live, in the homes that we live in, next to the people we live next to. And I'm, I'm really convicted of this because the missionary life sounds scary to me. But it only sounds scary to me because I'm not currently doing this well at all here. I like my Americanized stuff and my privacy a lot of times way more than I like my neighbor. I cannot extend grace to those I don't even care to see. And I don't even have a good way of knowing like how to explain this other than just seeing what Abraham has done. He was there. He was available to them. He extends grace in that he is not separated from his neighbors. They just come up and start talking to him. And he stops whatever he's doing and he starts talking to them too. So they say to him, God is with you in all that you do. And I love this. Because we know that Abimelech has seen his share of sojourners and tent-dwelling type people living out in the the land. um, And they were most likely weak and withering. Like they didn't have defense. They didn't have this big wall to protect them. Like sojourners were supposed to be weak. They dwelt alone and kept moving around because they had no power or wealth or even strength. But Abimelech, once he sent Abraham, the man who almost deceived him into um, being with his wife, uh, once he sends him out into the wilderness, this little, twin, this little tent-dwelling nation doesn't die. In fact, they keep multiplying and getting stronger and keep growing. And just look at this through Abimelech's eyes. This 100-year-old man and woman just had a baby. Like, what? So it makes total sense to me that Abimelech says, God is with you in all that you do. Like, there's certainly no other explanation for you guys. Um, You're an anomaly. You're supposed to be weak, but you're strong. And not only that, like, miraculous things keep happening to you guys. Um, I've seen how, I've seen you guys. I've seen how successful you are. Surely God is with you in all that you can do. And I can see it. But you notice, he doesn't say anything about what Abraham has done. Abraham has done nothing special to earn this sort of thing. Like, all that we have seen from Abraham and Abimelech has been really poor on Abraham's side. He isn't some faithful superstar that Abimelech just had to have a conversation with. He's merely living his life. And Abimelech takes notice of this faith because of the God in whom he has faith. This means that we do not have to be a pastor. We do not have to have 70 likes on our Instagram picture of our Bible study. We do not have to lord our faith in front of everyone for them to see that God is at work in us. Most of the time, that just makes people think that you're trying to get something out of them. I've seen personally, when a person asks me what I do, um, and I tell them I'm a pastor, like a wall goes up almost immediately, and and they try to explain to me why they haven't been to church in a few months, and it's like, hey, I just wanted a blizzard. I don't... (laughs) um, But I, I I never heard that when I was a roofer, like, nobody came up to, to explain to me why they hadn't been to church while I was a roofer. Um, but you want to know why that happens? Because people are afraid to share their faith. We're afraid to share our faith. So we do things like uh, ambush in the night and leave tracks and devotionals everywhere. With, um, like, as, as a waiter, I would get those $20 bills that were fake um, or the $100 bills that were fake, and it's like it's got Jesus on it. Um, but honestly, uh, I honestly believe that if the time has been put, put in to get to know someone and for them to just see that we are a normal human being who has ups and downs and struggles, just like what they saw in Abraham, is that we do not lose our faith. I think that they begin to see that it's not just something that we're trying to get out of them, but they start to see the God that we serve. That's why he doesn't even mention Abraham. 
God did all of this. Now, if you'll, if you'll notice, it does take this conversation either three or 13 years to happen. So it's going to take some time, most likely. But Abimelech finally feels comfortable enough to have this conversation with him. And he says, surely, God is with you in all that you do. And since he is, I'd like to make a treaty with you. I'd like to get in on that action. I want that God. Verse 23. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God, which is hilarious because he says, swear to me by God, not, not your own power. Don't, don't swear to me by you. I don't trust you. Um, Swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, my children, as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. Essentially, I see the God that you serve and that serves you. He is surely with you in everything that you do, even when you do wrong. God is still with you. So here's the thing. I'd rather stay on the good side of that God. Like I saw what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. I want to stay here. Can you promise me that you will treat me right? Remember, I treated you right too. And that was after you treated me wrong. You lied to me. And Abraham responds with kindness. Uh, verse 24. And Abraham said, I will swear. So these two men have, have known each other for quite a while. They've, they've known about each other for quite a while. Um, in any case. And we do not know all the details about uh, whether or not Abraham has you know, asked Abimelech over for dinner or anything like that, or if they've even tried to um, start being friends or what. Uh, but this is the beginning of the actual covenantal friendship uh, three to 13 years later. Abimelech sees this God, and he sees how this God is with Abraham, and he wants to be a part of it. So he makes a covenant. And Abraham, the believer, was not only available to hear him, he was in close proximity to him, and he also accepts the covenant of friendship. And with this polytheistic unbeliever, he says, yeah, I'll be your friend. Uh, Abraham actually has some stuff to settle now that they're friends, but he accepts it still. So, because in verse 25, uh, when Abraham reproved, uh, essentially like called him out uh, just to see how he's going to handle this as his new friend, to see if he was legit about saying, hey, I'm going to deal, deal well with you. Uh, Abimelech, when Abraham approved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. Listen, man, I almost dealt falsely with you by your fault, and that didn't go well for me. Why in the world would you think I'd go against you knowingly? Uh, I've got a lot of people in this kingdom, and one of them has probably done it. I'm innocent here, I promise. I'll fix it. So verse 27, so Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. And so this is amazing. Like Abraham, for all intents and purposes, was wronged. Like they took his well, they seized his well, which is the most important life spring of water of the day. And what does he do? He gives them a gift. He was wronged, and he said, here's, here's some sheep and some oxen, probably the second most important uh, possession of the day. This isn't just a thoughtless, out-of-nowhere gift. It's a picture of Abraham absorbing the sin and giving grace instead. Abraham says, I know your people did wrong by me. I accept it, and I forgive you, and here is proof that I accept our covenant. I will deal well with you, just like right now, even if you do not deserve it. Abraham is extending undeserved grace. On Monday, 
February 19, 2018, 19-year-old Leah Sharabu, along with all of her classmates, were sitting down to eat dinner. All of a sudden, gunshots rang out. The school was a Christian school in Nigeria, and the group shooting at the school members were from the Islamic terrorist group Boko Haram. The girls all fled in different directions, and at one point, Leah was cornered by a Boko Haram truck and was abducted along with over 100 other girls. About a month later, Leah's mom gets a phone call saying that all the girls had been brought back to the school, and so she raced to the school to bring her daughter home, but Leah was not there. After some of the girls came forward with stories, it turned out that Leah was the only one of the 100-something young girls to not denounce Christ and accept Islamic beliefs. Leah has still not yet been returned. And here are the words from Rebecca, Leah's mother. I am so proud of my Leah because she did not denounce Christ. And because of that, I know that God will never forsake her. In her life, no matter how much Leah was mistreated, she never retaliated. Instead, Leah will look for a way to make peace with everyone. I believe that God allowed Leah to be abducted for a reason. So that through her, the world and even her abductors would come to know Christ. Leah has indeed spread the gospel to the whole world. My encouragement is this. I know that even if Leah is dead, she is with the Lord. For now, I haven't seen my Leah, and I want to plead that Christians not grow tired of praying for Leah till she returns. Leah and her mother are showing absolute grace. Uh, so let's just take some time to pray for Leah. Father, we thank you for Leah. And we pray that you would protect her and comfort her by your grace that only you can give by your spirit. And we ask that through Leah, the men and women who have abducted her and who have imprisoned her would see you and would turn to you. Be with her family as they grieve the unknown and, and the confusion and be with Leah in this. Show yourself mighty over this sin and death once more, God. Show your glory to these men and women and bring them into friendship with you. That you may save them. That they may be saved. We thank you for Leah. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. God will bring people from outside of the faith under the blessing of Genesis 12 to faith by those in the family making friends with them. And it all begins with Abraham being available, listening, agreeing to covenants on, on other people's terms, ultimately extending grace. With those around you, how can you extend undeserved grace to them? In what ways can you step out of your privacy to make time for those outside of the family? We extend grace, but we also make a covenant. If you look at verse 28. Abraham said, Seven ewe lambs of the flock apart 
which is literally he cut them in half and spread them apart. Um, now, we, we know exactly what's happening here because we just saw it happen in Genesis 15. A covenant is about to be made. Uh, now, it's weird for us, sure, uh, but this was a storytelling culture with no binding contractual agreements like us. Uh, so he cut these animals in half to say, may what has happened to these animals happen to me if I do not uphold my end of the covenant. So we know, but poor Abimelech, he has no clue what's going on. Verse 29, and Abimelech said to Abraham, what's the meaning of these seven new lambs that you have set apart? And Abraham says, these seven new lambs you will take from my hand that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. So Abraham saying, I know that you say you will deal kindly with me and that you're innocent of this well-stilling incident, but I want to know for sure. So let's make a covenant in this way. I've personally seen how these go over, and trust me, it's going to be amazing. Uh, I will offer up these lambs in this way for this purpose. This will be our promise that we will come back to in order to remember our promise to each other. If either of us doesn't do what we are promising, may we be each as these animals are here. And then in verse 31, therefore, that place was called Beersheba because... There, both of them swore an oath. So they made the covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. And so we see that a friendship with someone is not merely just a Facebook friend approval or even just a, hey, how are you? Good, see you later. But a sacrificial, I will die if I do not uphold my end of the friendship type of friendship. In 1 Samuel 18, David has just killed Goliath, um, and he's having this conversation with Saul, who was the current king of Israel, um, who ended up hating David, you know, like he was real jealous of him. Uh, but one of Saul's sons, Jonathan, uh, became one of David's best friends, and it was here, after the slaying of the giant, that the covenantal friendship began. Uh, in the relationship, we see that uh, at least three qualities of true friendship. First, uh, they sacrificed for one another. In 1 Samuel 18, 4, Jonathan gives David his clothes and armor uh, because Jonathan recognized that David would one day be king over Israel and part of his covenant was sacrificing his own rights to the throne as the king's son. He's like, no, you have all the priestly garments. You have all the royal armor. You take it. You're going to be king. Second, in, in 1 Samuel 19, we read of Jonathan's loyalty toward, loyalty toward and defense of David. So King Saul, which is Jonathan's dad, told his followers to kill David. And Jonathan rebuked his own father and recalled David's faithfulness to him in killing Goliath. And then finally, in 1 Samuel 20, we read of a plan concocted by Jonathan to reveal his father's plans toward David. It's kind of confusing, but Jonathan was going to practice his archery. If he, uh, if he told his servant that the arrows were shot to the side of the target, David was safe. If Jonathan told his servant that the arrows were beyond the target, David was to leave and not return. Jonathan told the servant that the arrows were beyond the target, meaning that David should flee. After releasing his servant, Jonathan found David, and the two men cried together, happy that they were both alive. Because they just went behind the king's back. There's a reason that, that Proverbs says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Covenantal friendship is costly loyalty. You have to be loyal to your brother. You don't have to be loyal to a friend. That's a choice. But the significance of this friendship cannot be understated. Scholars, uh, like every book that I read, scholars say that we will see Abimelech in heaven because of what happened in Genesis 20 and because of this friendship here in Genesis 21. 
Why? How is this true? Because this is the same way that you and I make it in. By faith in God, by a relationship with one on the inside, Jesus Christ. Abraham is really only supposed to point us to a better Abraham in Jesus. We are the Abimelech of the story in our sin and in our unbelief. We are like the outsider who God calls to repent and we come to a son of the father and cry out for him to to deal well with us on the basis of God's mercy. The son makes himself available to us. The son extends his grace to us. The son makes a covenant with us. The son befriends the enemy of God that we may be called friends. The son says, I will lay down my life for you as part of my loyalty and relationship to you. If we're believers in this room, God, by Jesus Christ, has brought us, you and I, outsiders, into the family through the ultimate friendship with Jesus Christ. John 15 says it this way. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. This is the good news of the gospel. This is, the, this is God extending his grace to those outside the family to bring us in. And the rest of the passage says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Why do we make friends? Because we have been made a friend. Jesus has laid down his life for those outside the fold of God that we may be called friends of God. And what is our call because of this news? That we love one another. And one day, just sitting around the table, we might be just sitting around the table with all of those friends. Along with every other friend of God from every tribe and tongue and nation. And we will praise God together forever. And it's going to be a diverse group and a fantastic group. All because we loved one another as friends, as Christ loved us as his friend. This is what Abraham has done. God has made him his friend. He has just extended the blessing of Genesis 12 to more people of a different nation and has brought light to the darkness in this way because of God's plan and purpose. And then what does he do? Verse 33. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. Abraham literally planted roots because of the blessing of God bestowed on the nations. And he sojourns there for a long time because he has this friend. Life is better here on earth for Abraham because he's made this friend. And so Abraham does what he should do. He calls on the name of the Lord. He worships the God who has blessed him and who has made him his friend and then all of his other friends as well. He worships the God who has given him this protection. He worships the everlasting God who has made an everlasting covenant with him and now with his friends and with the friends of his lineage forever. And that's what we, all, we will all do as well uh, together here in a minute as we partake of the Lord's Supper together as a family, as friends brought into under the fold of God.
if this is your Jesus, if you have been called a friend of Jesus by your faith in him and by turning away from your sin, then you're welcome to the table. If, however, you are not a believer, or if you have not been if you have not yet been adopted into this family or if you are in any unrepentant sin, I ask that you remain in your seat on the basis of 1 Corinthians. It says you partake of the body and blood which is not yours and that is not covering your sins yet. But if this is you, turn today. Repent of your sins today. Turn to Jesus in your desperation and believe. We're not here this morning by accident. We are not here in Genesis 21 by accident. This Jesus can be yours today. So if you have any questions about this, please find me and let's talk or grab the the person next to you, in front of you, beside you, um, and talk to them. Uh, Like We're all friends here in that regard. Um, But lastly, if you're here and you're worried about it, or you've heard some of this and you're a little scared, or maybe you're wondering if you've fully been made part of this family, I would say be encouraged. Dead people don't think that way. Keep pressing in. Keep going. For all of us, uh, here is our prayer. Everlasting God, we praise you for the grace that has been extended to us and for the covenant you have made to bring us into your family by faith in Jesus. Help us to befriend those outside this faith that they too may be covered by it for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we'll just take your time, just relax, just pray, just think about it. Um, and then here in a minute, grab the elements, bring them back to your seat, and we'll take, it all, we'll take them all together here in a minute. The reason we take communion every Sunday is because if we ever say anything that falls short of the glory of God, this is a visual picture of the gospel that we can't mess up as friends, as family. We're going to do some things sometimes that don't make any sense to anybody, even ourselves. But we will always have Jesus. Because our question becomes, how do we know for sure that Jesus wants to be our friend? Because greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay his life down for his friends. And he did. On the night when he was betrayed, he took bread he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. we thank you for sending Jesus to be our friend that we have this ultimate friendship that we can be brought into and under the fold of God that we may be saved that we may live we thank you for the good news of the gospel that Jesus has laid down his life for us you help us and would you let that empower us to to move forward today to be friends with those around us today we all need your help we all need your guidance 
So would you show up, God? On the basis of this Jesus who has given everything for us, would you show up yet again? We thank you for your friendship. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.